Welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. Feel free to join us live on Facebook every Sunday at 10 a.m. at facebook.com slash exchangechurch. The following message is brought to you by Pastor Kevin Kelts. Awesome, awesome. Well, we're going to talk about faith today. Everybody say faith. Faith. Faith is something that we all have. We're all born with it. And I know for me in my life, I have had heroes that I've looked up to. Um, me and this person, and I have just been so overwhelmed by and challenged by their faith, right? Like you saw them in a super difficult situation where it seemed like, how can they respond that way? How can they be so faithful, full of faith in that situation when they were going through that? And, and, and you just look up to those type of people. How are they so strong in the faith? And, and so we're going to talk today, and we have been in this series, talking about how do you become faithful, full of faith. Um, We've been looking at Jesus and, and his life, the stories that have been recorded through the people that walked with him, the real life stories, and, and something that, that would always happen and was really off-putting and unbalancing for a lot of the followers of Jesus was this. It seemed like he had this assumption about their capability or their ability that was oversized. It's like... He thought they could do things that they really couldn't do. It, it was kind of unbalancing. See, Jesus, he had a short time frame when he, he did start having people follow him, when he really got the 12 that were spending time with him. And so he was consistently pushing these, these guys into situations, into circumstances where they felt like, and I know that all of us have felt like at times in our lives where we weren't prepared. I'm not prepared for this, right? These guys felt like that, where they felt like they were in over their head. Like, I don't know why I'm facing this. I don't know why I have to be the one to do this, Jesus. And as you read their story, it's a little bit funny at times. They find themselves, you know, failing. They find themselves trying to figure things out. And in some cases, they just find themselves like a lot of us on our journey of life, they just flat out failed. They failed a lot. Jesus would say, guys, I need you to go do this. I need you to go here and do that. And they would be in a situation, and sometimes they would just be like, well, we just don't understand. We just, I just don't even think we can do this or do that. And they would fail. And to some extent, maybe they should have seen this coming because at the very beginning when Jesus started putting this crew together when he was choosing the famous 12 apostles, when he first called the ones like Peter and Andrew, James and John. He said this, and it's recorded in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. He said, guys, I want you to come and follow me. Everybody say follow. That, that speaks of taking action, right? He, when he came up to them, and he first said words to them. He didn't say, I want you to believe in me, right? He said, I want you to come and 
follow me. And then the next thing that he said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, he said, and I am going to send you out to fish for people. Now, that's a kind of odd thing to say, Jesus, because we just met you. We're fishermen. We've been fishing all night, and we're not even good at doing that, right? How many fish did they catch? None. And now Jesus looks at them and is like, hey, don't worry about that. Follow me. And they're like, okay. And he's like, and guess what? I'm going to teach you how to catch people. I don't know what was going through their minds. I mean, they, they really should have seen some of this stuff coming at the very beginning. But although they were probably a little confused and a little disillusioned, they started to follow Jesus. And you need to understand that many of these guys were men of the sea. They were fishermen. They were, were a very experienced at, at sea. And on a couple of occasions while they were following Jesus, Jesus would put them in a boat, right? And he would, one, one particular occasion, he pushes them out to sea. He asks them to roll just a few miles across the Sea of Galilee, which is something that they would, you know, be very well versed in. And he tells them to get to the other side. And what happens? Although they were very versed at going across the sea and row, row, row your boat. Did they get there? No, they failed. They didn't make it. What happens though? Jesus, he saves them. He gets them to the other side. He gathers them together. And what have they just done again, right? We failed at fishing. Okay, I guess we'll follow you, right? We got in the boat. We think we're pretty good at rowing boats. That's what we've done all our lives. Well, we couldn't even do that, right? He gathers them together, and he's like, okay, vision casting session. This is recorded in John chapter uh, 14, and he says this, verse 12. Very truly, guys, I tell you this. You're going to do the works that I've been doing, and you will do even greater things than these. What must these guys have been thinking when he said that? We just completely failed rowing the boat. We couldn't even do what we've always been good at. And you're saying that we're going to do greater things? So Jesus was constantly encouraging them and getting them into situations. And part of it was because he had a short time to set them up to hand over the kingdom to them that they would continue to get going. And the best example of Jesus doing this is recorded by the gospel writers and the way that the story goes is like this. Jesus had been teaching all day long. And there's thousands of people that were following. Literally, thousands of people, right? And they're on this hillside. He's been speaking to them. Everybody, everybody's tired. They've been baking in the sun. Everybody's hungry. There's no restaurants. There's no DoorDash, right? And the people are hungry. The disciples notice that the people are hungry. Guess what? The disciples are hungry. They've been there all day too, baking in the sun. Jesus, let's get out of here, man. They want to break. But, you know, to kind of not put the blame on themselves and not to try to get out of work, they kind of put the blame on the people that come to Jesus. as recorded in Matthew chapter 14, verse 15. And they say, Jesus, you know, we need to send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus, he looks at the crowd, 
he looks back at them. He smiles at the disciples and he says, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. To which they must have thought, oh no, oh no, he does this to us all the time, right? He puts us in another situation. Here he goes again, and we'll get back to that in just a second. If you've been tracking with us in this series um, for a couple weeks now, um, you'll see that we have been talking about faith and what it is to be faithful, full of faith. And we've discovered, and this is so important, that when you read the, 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 uh, the Gospels, that Jesus had an agenda for the first century followers. And, and it, was, it was this. It was not that they would believe things, right? It was that they would have a very active, a very all-in, a daily relational, in the thick of things, faith. It was that they would have actions, that they would be doing things. That's why he starts out, and his first initial invitation is two words. Follow me. I need you to do something, not believe something. Guess what? If you start doing something, you'll then believe in it, right? But he's like, follow me. Take action. And guess what? Jesus never altered his invitation. He never changed it. Eventually, somehow, way, the church did. We pulled back on it, and we did switch it to believe. Believe in. Just believe, brother. Just believe, sister, and everything will be all right. And then we've had people for years and years and years only believing and not doing anything. And guess what? It doesn't work. And guess what? Nobody's faith is growing. Nobody's maturing. And so we got to get back to the basics, to what Jesus first taught. His initial invitation was, follow me. Get down to the gritty part of life. The follow part was the active part. The follow part is what he knew would ultimately build and confirm their belief in him. You see, it's, it's, it's easy to say, well, I believe in that, right? Well, I, no, I, I mean, I've put my trust in that. You can say that. Yeah, I, cerebrally, I've wrapped my brain around that, brother. But are you having actions? Are you, are you following? You see, Jesus has invited us to live a life that reflects our confidence, our trust in God as Father. Because we've said throughout this series, trust is the currency of a relationship. And so Jesus invites his first century followers, and he invites you, and he invites me today to follow him and to live that life that reflects the confidence, the trust in our faith in God. You see, God is most honored by living active here and now faith. And when our active daily faith, which looks like this, even though I don't feel like it, I choose to forgive this person. That's following. That's just to be compassionate. I choose to love this person. You know what? I choose to be compassionate in this area. I choose to be generous right here. When our active faith, when we do those things and we step out and follow, when that intersects with God's faithfulness, guess what happens? Our faith grows. We mature. It grows. But believing without doing, it results in a frail, fragile, dying faith. 
So Jesus didn't invite people to simply just believe in things. He invited people to take action, to follow him. And we, as Jesus followers today, must ask a question. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. And the question is this. What would I do if I was confident that God was with me? In every situation, what would I do? What are the actions I would take, right? How does it look like to follow him, to take actions? What would I do if I was confident that God was with me? And in this series, we're asking and hopefully answering this question over the course of a lifetime, what facilitates or what fuels the development of that active, enduring faith? That person that you've looked at before and you've said, I look up to that person because they have this active, enduring faith in all situations. I don't know how they have it. We're giving you the secret ingredients of how they got that. Amen? So should I continue on? I think we should because this is good stuff. Based on what Jesus taught, we've discovered that there's at least five things. And last, last week, uh, Pastor Jared, he talked about the first essential thing to growing that and, and growing up and blowing up our faith. And that first one was practical teaching. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Practical teaching. We call it practical teaching because whenever somebody's telling their faith story, ultimately, they will say, well, there was this point in my life, right? Well, up until that point, for the first time in my life, I started going to this church or somebody invited me to this Bible study or I met this person who started giving me practical teaching, right? Applicable teaching. Like, I, they'll, they'll tell you, up until that point in my life, I believed in Jesus, I believe he existed. I believed in God. I believed all those things. I just didn't know how that applied, me believing in him, applied in life application, how that looked in following him. And then all of a sudden, I started to get a, a practical teaching, and they said, this is what it looks like. This is how it applies to your life. This is how it's walked out. It's going to be in everybody's faith story. Everybody that has great faith that you look to, that is faithful, full of faith, is going to say these type of things. And the reason that it works is because when our active faith intersects with God's faithfulness, our faith grows. You see, when we step out and we do what we think God wants us to do with no guarantee of how things are going to turn out, and then we step out with kingdom actions. We do those actions, right? We get an understanding of how it applies and what we're supposed to do, what it looks like to follow with actions. And we do those things, right? When we experience God's faithfulness, after we do those things on the back end, you know what happens? Your faith grows because your faith, guys, understand this. Please, if you get anything today, get this. Your faith is like a muscle, and if you don't use that faith, what's going to happen? It's not going to grow. But if you exercise that muscle, if you exercise your faith, what happens? It grows. It becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. And so if you're ever uh, in an environment where somebody starts to give you practical teaching and teaching you how to show how your faith is lived out, then all of a sudden a light bulb goes off you practically apply that, you do those actions, and then your faith starts to grow. Your faith muscles, they get big, right? 
Number two is what we're going to really talk about today. After practical teaching, another thing that grows up and blows up our faith is personal ministry. If you're taking notes, write that down. Personal ministry. And don't think of it selfishly. Like, yeah, I need people to minister to me. No, that's not what we're talking about at all. Right? We're talking about taking steps of faith. So when anybody tells their story, these people, these heroes of faith that you look up to, ultimately, when they tell their faith story, at some point, they're going to somewhere along the way say, you know what? It got to a point where I felt the nudge from God. I felt like God was speaking to me. I don't know how it works for you. It's never worked for me. I've never heard as far as hearing an audible voice. It just feels, it's just a feeling. It's a, it's something I just know. I don't know how I know it, but I know it. And I don't know how I know it's God, but I do know that it's God. Right? And I feel that nudge to go and serve somebody else. Personal ministry. To take responsibility for this kingdom stuff that I have inside of me. And to step out of my comfort zone and go minister to somebody else in some way, uh, whether it be forgiving someone or whether it be, um, you know, getting into a ministry and, and a leadership. It, it's, it's stepping out in faith and serving somebody else in Jesus' name because you felt that internal nudge. Essentially, the person will tell the story of stepping into somebody else's story right? Or stepping into a group of people. You know what? There was this nonprofit, and they just kind of had a heart for the things that were, you know, breaking my heart in this world. And so I, I thought about it, and I just felt this nudge, like I should go and help those people out. But I thought, what, what good could I do? I mean, I'm inadequate. I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know where to start. These people are doing great things. And that's what we all get to, right? We start to think, man, I, I, I don't know if I can do it. Um, some of you will think of, of the first time that you ever, you know, got that nudge to go on a missions trip, right? And you were just like, man, I feel like God's nudging me to do this thing. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm signing up for this thing. And then immediately you regret it. You're like, holy cannoli, right? There's, I don't have the resource. I do not have the money to go on this thing. And then you're like, now I got to update my passport. Now they're talking about I have to get a shot. Like, what are, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to build houses there. I'm going to be building a house over somewhere. I don't, I'm not a contractor. And you regret it. And you're, you have all of these, these different things, right? When somebody tells their story, when you tell your story, here's some of the things that we hear. I'll put them up on the screen. I was so nervous. When you feel that nudge, to, right? To go and do something as far as personal ministry and serve somebody else. We, we always hear this. I was so nervous. I was in over my head. In this one, we've all felt. I felt so inadequate. I felt so unqualified. But that's not all the story because the rest of the story, we next say this. 
but I knew. But I knew. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what was gonna turn, how it was going to turn out. In fact, I was afraid of what was going to happen and how it was going to turn out. But I knew this is what God was want, he wanted me to do. I knew it was God. I knew it was God nudging me. You see, when people tell their story, when you tell their story, when I tell my story, what we say is, but I went ahead and did it anyway. I had this feeling that it was God who wanted me to do this thing. And the reason it's a part of our story is because on the other side of that decision, we experience God's faithfulness. And that is so awesome. That is so powerful. Many times when we tell these stories, if I could just start to, a lot of you are thinking about your own personal examples of what I'm talking about right now. And if I handed you the microphone and got you to talk about it, a lot of you would start crying because it's very emotional. Why? It's very emotional because you start to remember the faithfulness of God coming through. And as you push through your inadequacy, right? At the end of it, you realize that God used you to touch somebody else's life. And that's powerful. That's like, wow. That's emotional. That's amazing. You see, pushing through our inadequacy, pushing through um, our inadequacy in order to say yes to God for the benefit of other people, it grows your faith. You're using that muscle. You're using that faith muscle. You're exercising it. So many people don't, though. They feel all of the inadequacy. They hear all of the bad talk in their head, and they disqualify themselves from it. They don't take the first step. You start to say, you know what, I don't have time. I don't, want, I don't have time for this. I mean, I'm thinking about doing it, but do I really have time for this? I'm scared. I'm scared. I've never done anything like this. Are you kidding me? I can't do this. I don't have the resources. I'm too old. I'm too young, right? I'm not educated enough. Whatever it is, when you feel like God is nudging you, if you will push through your inadequacy on the other side of that, that's when you experience God's faithfulness and your faith gets stronger. It gets bigger. In fact, some of you, as I'm saying this, you're thinking, Pastor, did somebody send you an email about my life? Because I'm actually going through this right now. I've been thinking about there is something that God is nudging me to do. And I've been thinking, wow, you know, I really think God wants me to do this. And, you know, whether it's, you know, like I said, help out a nonprofit, help feed the homeless, help here at the church, step out in leadership, you know, at, at your school, at, at your child's school, whatever it is, you've been feeling a nudge from God. And you've been resisting. You've been in that place of, of limbo. Let me in on a little secret. And this is going to set you free. So free. We all resist. You're not abnormal. There's nothing wrong with you. We, we all resist. Welcome to the club. You're human. Right? Let me in on, let you in on a little secret too. This is not a lack of faith. Please hear what I just said. You resisting, listen, this is not a lack of faith. Do you know what it is? It's a test of your faith. 
It's the test. It's not a lack of faith. That's what you're telling yourself. Well, I can't do this. I just don't have faith. No, you have the faith. It's just the test. Are you going to use you and I both? We have no idea what weighs in the balance, what hangs in the balance of your decision to step out and do personal ministry, right? To do what you feel like God's nudging you to do, to say yes or no. We have no idea what hangs in the balance in terms of what's going to happen. But one thing I can promise you that you can know from this time going forward that hangs in the balance is the quality and the strength of your faith. Because it's the test of your faith if you're going to use that muscle to exercise it, right? So if you would just say, yes, I don't know what's going to happen. Because I'm going to give you a couple instances in a second where sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be bad. But all the time, their faith grew. And they, became, they went on the journey to become these people that we look at and go, wow, they're so strong. They have so much faith. Let's get back to that story, right? So back Matthew chapter 14, verse 15, what was going on? Huge crowd. Jesus has been speaking all day long. Everybody's tired. There's no DoorDash. Oh, man. The disciples are tired too. They go to Jesus. They said, Lord, send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus smiles, looks back at them, and says, guys, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. So the, the disciples, they ask Jesus to do something. And then Jesus, he turns back at them and asks them to do something. It's usually how it works out on this journey. He says, no, 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 no. How about you? How about you do this? How about you give them something to you? You see, Jesus invites them. Listen, he invites them to enter into the test, to enter into the workout. He invites them to enter into the kingdom, to be a part of the solution, to stop going. We believe in you, Jesus. Oh, and we just pray because I believe in you so much as the Son of God that you fix it all. And I'll never take responsibility or ever do anything, but I believe. I'm a believer. Mark me down. Praise God, I'm a believer. I got crosses all over everything. I am a believer. Jesus goes, no, no, no. That's not what the kingdom's about. It's not about what you believe. He's like, follow me. The things that I've been doing, you're going to do them, and even greater things. He goes, here's an invitation. How about you do something? How about you take responsibility of this problem and be a solution? And what he asked them to do seems impossible to them. Because we call this the feeding of the 5,000. So there's at least 5,000 people there. Um, if you do some research, you'll find out that back in those times, they were very sexist, and they only counted the men. So we're probably thinking it was a lot, lot more than that, okay? And they didn't prepare. This wasn't a festival that they took a year to prepare to feed 20,000 people. 
And they got it all, and they're like, okay, well, this is just a logistic problem. We just need to make sure that everything's together because we got the food. There's enough food to feed everybody. There's no food. Jesus goes, you feed them. It's like, whoa, impossible situation. Feed these thousands of people. Now, listen, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all recorded. They all give account of the story in each of the Gospels, okay? John, in John 6, uh, verse 6, he actually says that Jesus did this to test them, that this was a test. It was a part of entering into the faith test, right? A test of their faith. In other words, he knew that it seemed impossible to them. He knew that they felt incapable to do this. He knew that they felt they didn't have what it took to be able to do what he was asking them to do. He knew this would be a real test of, are you going to follow me? Are you going to put actions to what you say that you believe? Jesus knew that this was a great opportunity to grow their faith. That's why he says, no, we're not sending them away. You're about to start doing kingdom stuff. This is about to be really awesome. And at that moment, Andrew, one of the apostles, speaks up. And he's like, hey, Jesus, um, there is this kid listening to our whole conversation. And he was like, hey, uh, I brought my lunch today. Right? And uh, I looked at his lunchbox, and, you know, he's got five loaves of bread and two fish. This is what we got. And I love this, and you need to hear this. I love what Jesus does next because he looks at what they think is so insignificant. Because that's what we all do when we get the nudge. We look at ourselves in the mirror and we go, it's not enough. I'm just a couple loaves of bread. Some dirty fish is all I am. And you want me to do that? Like, and so Jesus is like, you know what? He looks at the impossible situation. He looks at the disciples and what they have. You know what he says? It's recorded in Matthew chapter 14, verse 18. He goes, bring what you got to me. I love this. Like, what you have. All that you are. Can you trust me with it? Even though you don't feel like you have enough resources, even though you don't feel like you're capable, you need to realize that you may not feel like you have enough, but you do have something. Right? I mean, you got something. It may not seem like enough, but you got something. And just like the story, I need you this morning to hear the invitation. Jesus says, bring, bring it here to me. You want me to do something? I, okay, but I want you to participate. I want you to have faith. I want you to do something, and, and I want you to, you know, you're looking at me, and you're wanting me to change. Jesus, change this nation. Jesus, change changed this generation. Jesus, you want me to do great things? Bring me what you got. Here's an invitation. I want you to 
participate. So there's, as they stand there, there's thousands of hungry people waiting to be fed. And Jesus says, guys, I want you to participate in this kingdom. It's simple. Just bring me what you got. And so Andrew does it. He takes what they got, and he gives it to Jesus. And he's like, this should be interesting. We can't catch fish. Now we're fishing for people. Don't know what that means. We thought we were good at rowing boats. We can't even do that. Now we're going to do greater things. Now we're here. We got this. Okay. You know what, Lord? I'll give you what I got. So Jesus directed the people to sit down. The way the story continues, the next verse, on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fishes, he looks up to heaven. And I love this. So he takes what they got. And he looks up to heaven, and it's kind of like the, you remember the prayer <laughs> before, when, when he's at Lazarus' tomb, and he's like, hey, God, I just need to pray right now. just want to make sure everybody sees that you and me are connected, but you and I both know what's about to happen. <laughs> I'm not praying for more, more razzmatazz, more power, more energy, nothing like that. We know what's about to happen. Just want you, you want everybody to see that you and I, we're connected and the kingdom's coming. And then he's like, Lazarus, come forth. Boom. Right? So he does it again. He takes what they brought to him. And he's like, God, once again, I just want everybody to know, see that you and I are connected. Right? And then <laughs> he gives thanks. He breaks, he breaks the loaves. And verse uh, 19 and he gave it back to the disciples. Do you know what they did next? What they did next was so simple. What they did next was what they knew how to do. They trusted that Jesus knew how to do what he was going to do. Well, it was so simple. They did what they knew how to do. They trusted that somehow Jesus was going to come through. They literally took a step of faith. They literally walked by faith. They exercised their faith muscle, right? And they jump out there, and they just start walking out, just start doing things that they can do, start handing out. They showed up, right? They just, they just did what they could do. And walking by faith isn't coming up with stuff and then you impose uh, stuff to do and then you imposing that stuff on God. Walking by faith is when you feel the nudge to do something that you know that you can't do, but you step out in faith and you try to do it anyway. They literally walk into the crowd hoping that they're not going to turn around looking like fools, but every time they go to hand out, there's always more and more and more. And where... Their acts of faith, their acts of faith, their following him, stepping out in action meets God's faithfulness. What happens to their faith? It grows. And there are, you know, I remember this. I was talking to this guy and he was like, man, you and your wife, y'all need to travel. And he was talking about this place and um, there was a, it was like a, Christian theater, and they did this thing called the fifth gospel. And the idea was that they would, there's so many things that happened with Jesus while he was on this earth that weren't recorded, right? And so it was like they, they just thought of these things 
that weren't recorded that could have happened, right? And it was really cool because in one of the scenes, Jesus and the disciples, they're in between a couple of these miracle passages, and they're walking. And they're just a group of guys, right? And we always put, you know, all the apostles and Jesus on these pedestals like, oh my gosh, you know, they're so full of faith and they're saints and they're just, oh, they must be so holy and do everything perfect all the time. And that's not how they were. Like, they're just walking like guys, man. And then, like, Peter stops and he's like, hey, Jesus. And Jesus is like, yeah, what's up? And they're like, hey, look, there's a, a little pond over there. Like, it's real hot. Uh, let's go take a dip, man. Let's go swimming. Like, have fun. And Jesus is like, that sounds awesome. Let's do that. And so the guys are just hanging out, and they're swimming and kind of horse playing, and a couple of guys are wrestling, you know, a couple of the disciples. I mean, you ever think of stuff like that before? Like, this is real life stuff, right? And so uh, they're like, you know, John, he, 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 looks at one of the disciples, and he goes down, he picks up a mud pie up out of the water, and he's looking at one of the other disciples, and he rears back, and he throws it, and he, and he ducks, the other guy ducks, and it hits Jesus in the face, this mud pie, and they're like, oh, God, you just hit God in the face with a mud pie, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, and there, everybody just stopped. Like, everybody was having fun. It was all cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then everybody's just like, <gasps> and Jesus, he wipes the mud off his face. And he's so serious. And then all of a sudden, he bends down, and he picks up mud, and he starts on his and they, and they start having this fight like, like, like guys would do, right? I think, like, as they continue handing out this food that just came from this, it's got to kind of be like that. Some high fives got to be going around. They got to be having fun. This is, this is crazy. Our acts of faith just came and intersected God's faithfulness. And this is completely amazing. The rest of the story is, you know, verse 19, he gave the disciples. His disciples were the one that gave this food out. In verse 20, it says that the crowd, they ate, they all ate, and they were all satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of broken pieces that were, that were left over. Now, this is a concept that's so personal for me, and I want it to be personal for you. It's so personal to me because I can remember years ago, getting a nudge from God. It was about 22 years ago. And Lisa and I, we hadn't been married for, it was our first year of marriage. And uh, we started attending a church. And it was one of the decisions that we just decided we, we want to do this. And we hadn't been doing that as we'd been dating in college and stuff. And said, no, this is what we do. We want to start a family and we want, we want to raise our kids in church and and I go all in, and, and, uh, and I just remember getting a nudge from God, and, but just kind of suppressing it and not talking to anybody about it. And I finally broke down, and I talked to Lisa one night, and I was like, 
I got to talk to you about something. She's like, okay. And I was like, uh, you know, I feel <clears throat> like I'm supposed to, like, I feel like God's telling me that I'm supposed to go into ministry. And she's like, like what? Like a preacher, like a pastor? And I go, I, I think so. What do you think about that? She's like, I think that's crazy. Like, my grandpa was a pastor, and that was kind of crazy. And, and, I mean, it's just, like, I don't know. I think it could be great, though. I think it could be, I don't know. And I was just like, yeah, well, I don't know either. And, I, and at that time, I just felt so inadequate. I felt so unqualified, very unqualified, just because of the way I was raised and, and the life I had just been previously living and. I just felt so dirty, and uh, I just had a misrepresentation of who God was as Father, and there's a lot of things going on there, but uh, I finally, you know, after months of just suppressing it and hoping it would go away, you know what I'm talking about when you get that nudge from God and you think, well, he'll just, he'll just stop talking to me about it. He'll, he'll pick somebody else, right, and then it just didn't. So I mustered up the courage to go to my pastor. And I was like, I set up like an official meeting. I sit in his office and it was official, right? And I told him, man, it was a huge step of faith for me. And he was like, I feel the same way. I feel, man, I've just, I see that in you, Kevin. And I'm like, oh my God. Immediately I thought, oh my gosh, I'm, he's going to expect me to preach next week. What am I going to do? I've never done this before. And the next thing out of his mouth is, where we need your help is in the youth ministry, and uh, so the youth pastor could definitely use you as like a youth sponsor. And I was like, oh, that's not what I expected at all. I don't like youth. I've never done youth. I don't like kids. I don't like leading kids. I don't like leading anybody. No, like, okay, like, nah, well, but I, to his face, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, that's what... I was going to preach, but I don't know. I don't... So he said, just show up at this time and start doing these things. And man, up until the moment for me to actually serve, to show up to serve, man, I came up with a thousand excuses of why I couldn't do it, why I didn't, I don't have the time. I don't have the time for this. I don't have, God, I don't have the time. There's no time. Right? I, have a, I was very successful in my, my job. I was an art director of a company. I was doing great. I don't have time for this. But guess what? I showed up. And it wasn't, it wasn't great. It wasn't super. I don't have a great story for you to tell you that we turned the water into wine that night or anything like that. Or we raised a dead person. Nothing like that happened. In fact, I... There was, uh, I, you know, my job was we had this huge gym, and the, the youth was so successful as far as numbers was at that time. They really did need sponsors because what was happening is there were so many kids, like 200 kids, and a lot of them were showing up and just using it as a time to get away from their parents so they could go make out. They were finding places to make out in the church. And I was the guy that found them out and said, get back in there. Like, stop kissing and go have a relationship with Jesus, right? That was me. So I did that for a while. But, man, I just really started to love it. And I started to see, I started to make relationships with these kids. And, and I just started to see things happen. 
And, and then when God, God did use me to touch their lives, it was just like amazing. And I was like, I'm hooked. I got to do this. Well, I ended up becoming a youth pastor, right? And then we started a youth ministry, and that was crazy. That was a huge step of faith. And, um, and then, then I became, a, I got asked to go and interview to become a pastor of a job. I felt completely inadequate. Not, and I wasn't. I was not qualified. They, cra- these crazy people hired me with no experience. And, um, man, we, step, we took a step of faith, moved our family, did that. Loved it. Got fired. I <laughs> got fired from that job. Man, uh, had a lot of success, but had a lot of heartbreak. And then, um, then God said, felt like the nudge, to start a church from scratch. Have you ever pioneered something? Have you ever started a business from scratch? Have you ever built a birdhouse from scratch? That's hard. Starting anything from scratch, but starting, a, like, it's like starting a company, man. It was hard. And we did it. And Lisa was so nervous. How? There's no, we had no other churches or no other people funding us, like backing us financially. It was like, we either, this is a success or we don't have a home. We don't have anything. To eat. And we had a special needs son that had needed, you know, all this extra care and medication. And we just, what I didn't understand is that every time I said yes, and exercise that muscle. My faith was growing. And when it came time to start that church, could I have done that when I was the guy that was breaking up smooching sessions on the, you know, years before? No, I wasn't ready because my faith wasn't strong enough for that yet. But I'd been doing it. And then one day, life is going great. And I'm hanging out with my best son, and he's like, dude, man, it would be awesome. We start casting vision, you know, Houston. And I go to Lisa, and I'm like, I feel a nudge from God. I feel like we're supposed to move to Houston. And immediately, I felt inadequate. We've never been that far from our family. We do not have the finances to do this. It makes no sense, right? It made no sense. And I remember talking to Jared, and he was like, man, I really feel like this is God. I'm like, I feel like this is God. He's like, I don't know how you're going to get Lisa to do this. I'm like, it's going to have to be a God thing. And I talked to Lisa. I called Jerry back. I'm like, dude, she feels like it's God too. And so, man, to take a step of faith, to leave something that you pour, feels so inadequate. You know, I felt like, who would listen to me in the big city of Houston? I'm just a nobody from nowhere. And God said, what do you got? I said, 
I can have it. And the thing is, I may be wrong. And I may be being prideful. But I do think that there are people that look at me and go, he's my hero. Like, if I think of somebody that has great faith, it's him. And what they don't understand is the rest of the story is it all started with one step. And I'm, I'm not trying to be prideful, but I'm just saying you're born with faith. All of us have it. But it's a muscle. You have to use it. You have to exercise it. You have to overcome your feeling of inadequacy and all of the excuses that tell you, you can't do this, now is not the time, it's for somebody else. And you take that step of faith. And when you do, no matter what the outcome is that happens after that, your faith grows. I promise you. Every time. Because the rest of the story is this. So the guys are high-fiving. Dude, I keep reaching in the bag. I don't know, man. I got some magic dust or something. Because I keep pulling out more bread. Like, I'm thinking I need to start going, doing some Lazarus stuff. Like, where's the cemetery? Where's some water? He said... Right? And Jesus goes, John records it, and he says, or Matthew records it, and his next words are immediately. So they're pumping, and they're feeling really good about themselves. Like, we could do this all day, every day. Like, we'll never have to work again. We can just make food appear. We can just, and, and Jesus says, Matthew tells us that immediately, Jesus says, go to the lake. And they're kind of like, okay, what? And he says, get in the boat. And they're like, well, you know, all right. And he says, row, row, row this boat to the other side. And they're like, okay. And guess what? So it, it takes a little faith to do that. Once again, they felt a nudge. This is what we're supposed to do. The last time they did this, they weren't successful. And Jesus had to save them. Guess what happens this time? And it doesn't turn out like they expected it. And what's happening is this. Is... One thing he wants them to understand is that it's not about us as far as us getting, oh, man, I'm all that and bag of chips, and I don't need God. 
We always need God. He's the air I breathe. You know, he's, it's everything. And this is a partnership. This isn't a, isn't it like, it's not like I'm, like we sing that song earlier, like, you know, it's, it's your breath in my lungs. Well, it's kind of both of our breaths. It's not like I'm borrowing it from him. Like, I'm his son. He's my dad. I'm not a servant, and he's the king. And I'm, he's, that's what he gives to me to pay me so I can worship him some more. That's not how it works. It's like, I'm him. He's mine. It all works together. Does that make sense to you guys? And so in knowing that, it's not about like, oh, yeah, man, we're always going to be able to have miracles happen. When I'm faithful, I'm going to meet his faithfulness, and miracles are always going to happen. Water to wine, Lazarus from the dead, food for the 5,000. Because that's what starts to happen in our expectation then. And that will stop you from being exercising your faith muscle because you will start to have an expectation that every time it's going to end in a miracle and then when you are at a hospital with a family that has a daughter that just had her brain explode a medulloblastoma explode in her head and things are going off the rails and then you're praying for a miracle and you're putting yourself out there and that doesn't come through Guess what? My faith grew through that too. But it didn't look like, in the end, it didn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. Because they thought, oh, man, do you see me? I just kept pulling that bread out, bro. Fish. You want a fish? You get a fish. You get a fish. You get a fish. That's me, Matthew. Right? I got the magic touch. I could probably walk on water. Well, I'll just row the boat. <laughs> Oh, we're going to die. <laughs> oh, God. Ah! Right. Big men of faith. Right? I'm just trying to get you to see. It's not about the miracles. It's about the journey. We're st- we are going to see miracles. We are going to see great things happen. But the thing that we can control is what we can do. And when we do those things, guys, when we step in our faith, we activate that faith muscle. Your, your, faith, your faith is always going to grow, which I'm going to end with this. So at the end of Jesus' time with them, I'm talking about the disciples um, and there was, there was a little more than just the disciples, probably about 20 or 30 uh, more faithful people that had gathered there this day. And uh, Jesus is like, all right, guys, he gathers everybody together. And he's like, I've done everything that I can do. You know, I, I've, I've talked all I can talk. You know, hey, don't forget the, the loaves thing. And, you know, remember the lake, too. It didn't turn out like you thought it was, Okay. He's like, remember all the lessons I taught you? And then he says this in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. And he's like, now what I want you to do, guys, is I want you to go and I want you to make disciples of all nations. And immediately, they got to be thinking, okay, time out. <laughs> Jesus, looking around? I 
don't know if you're realizing this, but uh, most of us have never traveled. The ones of us who have, the furthest they've ever been from home, maybe 50 miles. So you, you're, you're saying that the kingdom stuff, <laughs> that you're wanting us now to go, and make disciples of all nations, of all nations? Jesus, that's impossible. Oh, wait. Lunchbox. Right? All I can, all I got to do is what I can do. All I, all I got to do is bring what I feel is inadequate <laughs> Those are, oh, I get it, Jesus. I get what you were telling us. Those feelings of, of inadequacy, all that stuff. I get it. We feel like we're not going to be able to do this. What you're saying seems like a pretty, pretty big deal. But I can do what I can do, and then I can trust you and what you're going to do. And ladies and gentlemen, 2,000 years later, this is the same place that all of us Jesus followers, we find ourselves at some point, right? We get the nudge. Up here, in here, from, from God. And, and we hesitate. Come up with excuses. No, 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 no. We 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 come face to face with our inadequacies. We say, I'm just gonna ignore this and I hope it's gonna go away. And you don't exercise that muscle. You don't exercise your face muscle and 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 so that muscle is frail, it's weak. And so when you need that muscle, guess what? It's not working. But what what even hurts worse, guys, is when others need that. When others need your faith, it's not working. Just take that step of faith, whatever nudge to step out and lead, that nudge to, to just take that step of faith, whatever it might be, it's your opportunity to experience God in a way that you're not going to experience sitting on the sidelines, playing it safe, saying, you know, I don't have what it takes. I'm inadequate. When it comes, when you feel that nudge, when you don't know what's going to turn out, how it's going to happen on the other side, always remember you do know what weighs in the balance is your faith. If you use it, it's going to get stronger. The practical application of your faith of taking actions, when he says, follow me, when we follow him, when we do these things, it does strengthen your faith. It does develop your faith. It develops endurance. You see, I'll put these two up as I end. You can take pictures of them. The personal ministry, personal ministry, it positions us to experience God's power in our weakness. And personal ministry positions us to experience God's faithfulness in our response to our actions of faith. So if you want that faith of your heroes, that enduring faith, that go-the-distance faith, you can't just be a believer. 
You can't just be a person that believes in things cerebrally. Yeah, I believe. It has to take a step. It has to go bigger and better. What we know is this. God, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'm going to bring you what I got. It may seem inadequate. It may seem like a lot enough. But this is what I got. I'm willing to step out. I'm willing to do this. And what I want you to know is this. The folks that say yes, the folks that go, God, I'll give you all that I have, those are the people who have changed the world. And the people that say no, we don't know their names. So I encourage you, when you feel that nudge, just take a step of faith. It's not a lack of faith. It's a test of your faith. And always think about this. That person that you think about, that you look up to, is that person that says, that you would say about them, you know what, I'm so glad. I'll look up to them because I personally have a story with them. Like, they took a step of faith into my life, and they somehow, some way, came into my life, and they had personal ministry into my life, and I'm so thankful that they had so much faith, right? That they were doing this, that everything that we're talking about. And if you could actually hear the rest of the story, they would tell you, I was so nervous when I did that. I felt so inadequate when I did that. You look at them as like, oh, you know, Paul, Peter, this great person of God. And they felt like a chump. They felt like inadequate when they were, they were like, oh, you know, they had the meat sweats. You know, they were just like, oh my gosh, I don't know. Am I, is this right? Am I, should I invite them? Should I talk to them? Should I send this letter, send this text? And you're going, I'm so glad that you did. So, the last thing is this. There are so many other people that need to be touched by your faith story. Like you're on the other side of somebody else's faith story. And you're so thankful. And now you understand that they were nervous and that they had to overcome inadequacy. Why not then? do the same thing and be that for somebody else. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask you guys to stand this morning. We're going to pray and then we'll be dismissed. God, We're so thankful that we are created in your image, that um, we are masterpieces with purpose. Um, although we feel inadequate, everything that we need for kingdom life is already in us. It's here. It just hasn't been activated yet. We just haven't stepped out in faith to use those different things.
I thank you that it's so simple. The story of just using a kid's lunch, just what they had when they stepped out in faith and used that. Something amazing happened. And so this morning, I just pray that each of us would just make a decision today to say, you know what, I'm going to do what I can do. I can do the, the simple things. I can make that phone call or I can, I can sign up. I can start moving toward those things. God, no longer am I going to be the one that says, I believe, I believe in you, God, and there's all these things that need to change in the world and I need you to do something about it. I'm going to say, God, I believe in you. There's things in the world that needs to change that I can do. I'm going to step out and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to step out. I'm going to give you my lunch. I'm going to give you what I have. And I'm so thankful because you meet us there. Your faithfulness meets us there. And I know that we are going to be amazed by what we can do together. We declare this this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen, you guys.